Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, sure. Um, my name is Kaya Rahoof. My full name is actually Rakaya Abdul-Rahoof, but I thought it would be fun to kind of have a different name for my career savage platform. I am a career consultant advisor virtually for the Career Savage um, website. You can visit www.careersavage.com or you can check out the Career Savage Instagram page. Um, by education, I actually am a public health professional. I got my master's in public health with a concentration in urban healthcare disparities. Um, and I, I like to advocate for my community. So I work in research and development, getting drugs approved with the FDA in the cell therapy, hematology, and oncology space. So that's a, a little bit about me with my career savage consulting and my pharmaceutical consulting. Wow, a woman with many faces. You have a lot <laughs> that you're wearing. So it sounds like you, yeah. you know, you've got a few different things, but they kind of go together, it sounds like a little bit. What kind of led you to, you know, doing the consulting and working with people on careers? You know, when I was in college, I just felt like I was on my own. And I think everyone can, you know, resonate with this message where, you know, you have your college advisor but they have a thousand other students. So you can't really go to them for career advice. So I had a lot of friends coming to me, asking me to help them do their resume. Cause I worked in um, a pharmacy all throughout college. I worked at CVS and then I went to work at Milford hospital and all my other friends were working jobs that were, you know, unrelated to their major. They were just doing anything kind of to get by, but I refused to do that. So I think in taking that career path, a lot of people just kept asking me for career advice, how I was able to get my job, because that was actually a very interesting story. But how I was just able to, you know, marry my work experience while still being a student and, and just marry the two, two spaces. So as I started giving people advice, I thought to myself, I should just start a whole consulting thing. So during my master's program um, in 2017, I just said, okay, we'll, we'll just see how this goes and give it a try. And the response from the community, people who are in college, who aren't in college, who have graduated has been, has been great. So I've just kept on doing, just kept on doing it. You know what I love is that, you know, you're filling a need that I don't see a lot of option like I don't see a lot of that happening I don't see I don't feel like I've seen any other um, businesses or companies like yours it's very rare to me Um, and the thing the crazy thing is that we have been given this formula for success so society Mm -hmm. says you know finish high school go to college finish college and somehow you're going to have a job and then, you know, get married and have some kids and life is wonderful. But there's a lot of gaps in that formula that we weren't given, like, you know, how to, how how to position yourself accordingly while you're in school and to network and to to prepare before you even graduate. And then what can you do once you graduate um, in order to really leverage yourself as an asset for a company? And so yep. it sounds like what you're doing is really helping people to bridge those gaps yep. so that they can find a career that they not only, you know, is going to pay their bills, but maybe is also fulfilling and satisfying in their life. 
Exactly. And I think what irritates me the most is colleges and universities, you know, they get all this money from you throughout four years and they say, well, you know, there's, there's the career center. You can go to the career center and they'll help you with your resume. A lot of the times you go to those places and they give you a resume that's still outdated and it's not really catered or curated to the industry that you're interested in. On top of that, you graduate with your degree. Let's say you have a you know, African-American arts history degree, or you have a software engineering degree or information technology, whatever degree that you have, they don't tell you the different type of positions that you could go in. Or when you're a freshman or sophomore and you're saying you're looking for work, they say, oh, just join work study. Um, or, you know, I don't know, you could, you know, look in the community and volunteer and do all these things. But to me, I feel like the best way to get ahead in your career is by having hands-on work experience. And every college student graduates and is like, oh, I don't have any work experience. And that's because no one ever told them, while you're in school, you can get a part-time job that is in line with your degree that will give you the experience you need to get the job you want after graduating. It's really that simple. But no one takes the time to tell college students any of this information or tell them how to negotiate their salary or different type of things they may encounter in an, in an interview. They just teach you what's in a book and send you on your way thinking that you're prepared for reality when you're really not. Girl, you are speaking today. I was so upset. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's, it's wild because there's this pseudo, like this layer of like pseudo support, I guess, in higher yeah. t- education. Like, well, there's yeah. the career center and there's this, and these are all your options, but no one's really giving you a clear path and really laying out what your options are as far, even it, when I went to get my master's, it still wasn't clear. You know what I mean? Oh, and not at all. I'm like, what is not happening here? Like, But you know what they do? <laughs> this is what they do. They give you a clear path to further education, but not a clear Ooh. path to apply what you've learned already. So every, in my master's program, they did the same thing. They were like, why don't you go, master's in public health, everyone's getting ready to graduate. They're pushing people to go and get their master's in biomedical sciences so that people can go to med school. And I'm thinking to myself, what if that's not what people want to do? What if they actually want to go in the field? Out of everybody in my class, I think a lot of people went on to go back to school and very few went on to actually work. And the same thing happened when I graduated from college. I was the only person of all my friends to get a job in my field the day after graduating. Everybody else was just like, you know, going back to the old jobs they had or trying to figure out if they're going to go back to school. They had no direction. Yeah, it's something that really, ooh, ooh, as a therapist, I, I, I see it come up in sessions when yeah. I have clients who, because most of my clients are probably between like 20 five to like 35 and mm. uh, many of them have gone to school tried to do the formula that society gave them and they're coming up yep. short and they're of unhappy course. and now it's been a few years and now they're like what the heck like I was yep. lied to like I didn't this is not what I signed up for and I'm like I know you know like yep. I know like we need to figure out what you know what's going to be next for you because you are not given all the tools or all the keys um that people should have, somebody knew, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Do you know that only 30%, and I'm just throwing statistics out here because I'm a little bit of a dork, but only 30% of people with college degrees end up making six figures? I'm not surprised. That's crazy, but I'm not surprised. And I think the statistic, because look, now we're both dorks, is like (laughs) 70% or something, 70% 70 of people going to their jobs do not like or hate their jobs. 
Oh yeah, that, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. I put it on my website. I think it's seventy three percent because, um, or actually, it could be higher because I know somewhere in the seventy percentage, it talks about how a lot of millennials graduate school without getting a job in their field, which I think is the biggest problem. Why are kids being sent to school? Mm. You spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this education, and you end up working at Lululemon. Ooh. or Starbucks. It doesn't make any sense. You should have worked because, at Starbucks from the start. Like, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you didn't have to go to school to do that. And it's because they're not getting the, the help that they need. I feel like it's a national higher education crisis where they're just not preparing anyone with the reality. They're just not. Yeah, I feel like while I was in school, I came to the realization that higher education was kind of like the newest scheme or like scam. Yeah, of course. not to say that I don't appreciate the education that I have because mm-hmm. I value it, but I also see that like there were other roads and paths that I just wasn't yeah. aware of. And I took the yeah. path that I was, you know, society, society told me. Now, if I knew, I probably still would get education because I just love you know, knowledge, but mm-hmm. would I have done a few things differently along the way? Probably if I knew. Yeah. And so yeah. it's really difficult because it's messing up people's lives, like literally <laughs> yeah. and them from being able to make the decisions that really would bring them joy. And so what is, if you could like walk us through, you know, some of the things, maybe not step-by-step, step, but some of the key things that you hit on with your clients as you're helping them to learn how to, you know, find the right opportunities or, you know, mm. navigate post-graduation. I think the biggest thing that I see in clients is a lack in confidence. And I think it's because, and this is why I always tell people, you know, you need teachers out there who are empowering kids to dream the unimaginable and do whatever it is they want to do. But there's not a lot of that. And lucky for me, I had, um, you know, teachers at my high school who empowered me to write and start blogs and just do honestly whatever while also being in school. So I say confidence because people come to me and they say, you know, I feel like I'm going to do poorly at this interview. And then I listen to them, have a con- I just have a conversation with them and their issue is they don't believe what they're saying or, you know, they have experience, but they don't believe it applies to the job that they're you know, applying for. Or, you know, they want to ask for a certain amount of money. They know they're worth at least $75,000 a year, but the job is only offering 50 and they're too scared to ask for more money. So, I think that the biggest thing that I see is a lack of confidence. So I try and spend a lot of time with my clients on building up their confidence and empowering them and equipping them with the tools that they need to know, Hey, at the end of the day, you need the company just as much as the company needs you. So I always try and tell people that it's a privilege for a company to have you work for them. And if the sooner you believe that, the sooner the company will believe that. And when you give off that type of a confidence, people accept it. So I always try and spend time trying to, um, uplift people. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. I always say the paychecks are coming to you, not from you. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> you are exactly. the one. You're the asset. You're the one that's being paid here for. You people know, don't see now. themselves as an asset, though. They don't. They just see themselves as you know, this is a big corporation. I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, you're right. Just, they don't see it that way. So I think it's you have to reverse your way of thinking. And it takes a lot of time. That's why I try and get people to sign up for a three, three to one year a program with me. Because in that year, I really want to transform how you see yourself, how you show up in the workplace. Because you can get anything you really want to if you believe that you deserve it. 
Wow. You know, it's wild because I had paid off my student loans recently. Oh, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I'm celebrating for the next rest of my life. Hello. Um, (laughs) um, I paid off my student loans, but in the process of, you know, having to come up with a plan to do that, I had to increase my income. And so Mm. what I, I got my master's degree, I was in private practice and stuff and I wasn't making much, but it was because I didn't believe that I could make much. And Mm. I had to, like you said, reverse my way of thinking and Mm -hmm give myself the confidence to know that I was worth right a certain exactly. amount and then seek exactly. out those positions and act accordingly and walk and talk like that and dress like that and then yeah. the position came but I had to make the exactly. decision and I had to live it first before I was able to get the position that you know helped me to get to that place and so I absolutely hear what you're saying and it makes so much sense because I think people really just ha- um, kind of get caught up in in what fear tells us about ourselves Mm. um, that keeps us from being able to like take things to the next level. And then there's also like for women different than men, men have a tendency to like take on things or be willing to jump into stuff that they don't even fully know how to do. Even they fake it more than anybody I know. They fake it more than anybody I know. You know how they always say like fake it until you make it. Men definitely are the ones who are overconfident and that's why you know in conjunction with a lot of other different reasons but that's why they end up in the places that they are because they're willing to take those risks i think women are a lot more modest but you just gotta know that you're you're bad as hell and you can get whatever you want that's just the mindset that i adopted for myself so i love it okay so there's that now i'm sure that with everything going on especially yeah. if you're in the realm of, you know, career development, that people have been all over the map with either losing work or, you know, re reevaluating what work they want to do or what realms they want to be in. How has that been for you? And how have you been kind of supporting and navigating through this very different time we're dealing with? So do you mean, you know, trying new passions? Or are you talking about how has the pandemic affected my work for people that you you support for yeah. them how have you been helping them to either oh okay i understand new career or leaning into what they're already doing like how are you advising people during all of this a lot of people who have come to me uh, are looking to do you know right now are looking for like job trans- transitions um and the job a lot of them are their so again it kind of goes back to confidence and empowering people to just step out of their comfort zone to try new roles that are available and um also empowering people to start their own things like there are some people who have reached out to me and said you know I've always wanted to try doing this try doing that I've always wanted to be an influencer I've always wanted to be a blogger I've always wanted to do all these different things that you can literally just start by posting pictures on Instagram you don't have to do anything crazy so I try and help people understand that especially during this time with everyone only being able to be on the internet because they can't do anything else I mean some people some places are opening up now but now is the time to kind of start your own business and do whatever you want so I provide many resources and as much information as I can from what I've done in starting Career Savage just from you know coming up with a name to now having a website and a YouTube page and an Instagram page and 
people supporting the company and, and people hearing more about it and getting different opportunities. It starts with just acting on the ideas that you have. So that's definitely been the most common instance where people want to step into a different realm. And I just tell them it just starts with literally just. Wow. Yeah. I think that you mentioning it starts with acting on the ideas you have is significant because I think what happens too is that people think too far ahead and then that gets overwhelming. So if you just start where you're at, right? Like you there's so many businesses that you can just start for free. Like you said, just post a picture on Instagram or whatever the case may be, or you can just start going live. You can just start, you know, writing an ebook on Canva for free because everyone has their personal experience. But um, starting is what helps you to be able to start to flesh things out. And I think if you're a perfectionist, cause I'm a perfectionist. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you're a perfectionist, you want, you want things to be fully formed before anyone yeah. sees it, but that's not how things go. Like that's not how things are. Yeah. Built. I used to be like that. I used to be just like that. And I think after going to therapy for a few years, I realized that if I have an idea that God has given to me, it's best that I act on it when I feel comfortable. So many people were like, oh, uh, Chris Abbott is not going to work because you don't have a and all these helpful things. I didn't really care what they had to say because I don't. And you get started. I always tell people you'll learn how to run when you're running your business. There's stuff that people who big CEOs they make mistakes all the time. They start a business, have no idea. I know CEOs who literally have no idea what they're doing. I don't even know how they have their business, but they do. And they're running it and they have multi-billion dollar corporations, industries. Jeff Bezos, who, I mean, not commenting on his, you know, (laughs) other contributions in life, but, you know, he started in his garage and he just started selling stuff. You don't have to have, I don't think he had a plan that he was going to own Whole Foods and Zappos and all these other different things and become beyond his way to becoming a trillionaire. He just thought, I have an idea. Let me act on it and see where it goes. So I, I really try and spend a lot of time just empowering people. Cause I think that's where a lot of change happens when people feel that someone believes in them. And sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. You got to put one foot in front of the other and you don't need yeah. too much to help you to feel you really don't like you're able to make progress because everything doesn't have to be perfect. But I think if we feel like we're making progress and we have hope, then we can keep putting another foot in front of the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So then, you know, another part of what you do is it sounds like helping those who maybe have recently graduated, um, transition into like adulting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and life, I realize in working with, you know, uh, post, graduates is that we have spent so much time like your whole life pretty much before that being in school and working towards one goal and so when that goal is met and now you're in a whole different realm that it can really I don't know present you with different challenges so um, from your work and your perspective how is it that you support um, people integrating into real life so I try and help people set goals first and I always say that people should set a a small series of goals. So just for an example, someone who just gets out of school, I would say if you are moving back to your parents' house and it's just not somewhere you want to be, you know, within the first three months, you should make sure that you have a stable job 
and make sure that you start saving money, have a savings account. And then I always tell people to use like online saving accounts like Marcus Goldman or um, I forgot what some of these other names are, but they have higher interest rates. So I'll talk to people a lot about financial things and how to get financially stable to move out of their parents' home. And once you've done that within the first three months, you can now have a six month goal. So after you've moved out, you can now say, okay, I'm at my company, I'm working in this position, but in the year, I don't want to just be a entry level person anymore. I want to be considered a regular associate. So you can create steps to get to that point by, you know, creating initiatives at your company or talking to your manager about how to improve and remaining proactive in your progress at the company to ensure you get that promotion. And then within a year, you say, well, I want to start my own business or maybe not a year because that's a bit aggressive, but two, three years, you want to start your own organization or your own company. I always tell people to create little goals to reach the big one rather than just seeing the big goal and getting lost in anxiety. Because I think that's what happens with a lot of millennials and Generation Z. They're like, you know, I want to be president of the United States. And they don't realize before you get to being president, you become a lawyer. And before that, you're a community service worker. And before that, you're doing all these different things. So I try and get people to look at their three-month goals rather than just looking at their one-year goal and, you know, talking to them, like I said, about finances and about understanding themselves, also about seeking mental health services. Because one thing I don't think people realize is when I left New Haven, because that's where I went to school and moved back to school, moved back home in LA, I was depressed for a bit because I was so used to being in a different community. I I hadn't been home in years. I, I didn't even visit that often. I was so used to living in a house with all my college girlfriends, all of us doing everything together, having such a strong support system of peers to going home to my mother's house. And my mom's full blood Nigerian. So (laughs) she didn't really understand why I needed to have my friends around or why I needed to talk to my friends every single day because that's what I was used to. So I ended up going to therapy because the transition was very hard for me. And I think a lot of people don't realize where that sadness and that you know, lack of motivation comes from is depression or extreme sadness creeping in because you've completely changed your environment and it, you need to ease back into something like that. So that's another thing I, I try and help people understand. Yeah, you kind of, what you mentioned makes so much sense because I think people have the experience, but they don't know what to attribute it to. So they're sleeping more, they're eating more or less, they're not sleeping, they're, you know what I mean, losing or gaining weight or they're agitated or irritable and they're not able to pinpoint what that is what it is to um maybe because we don't talk too much about it and the links and all of that but it is such a huge transition to go from spending a lot of your time around other human beings that you choose and having you know having a schedule having a structure you know what I mean yeah when you have classes and homework and deadlines it's a different life it's you know there's no spring break there's no winter break there's none of that and I think (laughs) one thing that my friends did um kind of help them transition as well is with their jobs they would essentially create their vacation around like their younger friends who were still in college because a lot of my friends were still in school so I would go up for spring weekend and hang out with my friends and that would be my vacation time or I would go and visit my friends that lived in different places while they were on vacation as well. It's a big adjustment. I think people who leave school kind of just graze over it because they don't know the signs. But I, I would say that's one of the most important things because you uncover a lot about yourself, a lot about what you like, what you don't like during that first year after graduating. 
Definitely. And you hit some, you hit on some other things that I want to make sure that we touch on too. First, you hit on, you know, having moved back home with your mom, who you say is Nigerian. So I think it's a a different experience if you are culturally, culturally, like not American, you know what I mean? I think it's similar for um, any immigrant um, person. Like I was born in Uganda and raised in Las Vegas. And so I think it's, it's different if you have like African family members, like, or something like that. Yeah. Um, Cause there's, there's different levels of expectation and, um, you know, generationally there's differences because if you're a millennial and you kind of want to follow, follow these wild dreams and your family's like, no, you need to yeah. blank. You know what I mean? There could yeah. be push and pull there. So, um, you know, touching a little bit on that, I think could be helpful. And then also as you transition into the workforce where everyone may look different than you or come from different, a different background from you, um, how that affects you. So, um, sure. I don't know if, if that's something that you experience in your work with people as far as like yeah. the cultural differences um, yeah. between generations or that internal turmoil of like, I know my family wants me to be a banker, but like, I'm not Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's so funny because I think my mom has gotten used to me just being like a very business oriented person. I've always been that way. My family actually thought I was going to be a lawyer for a little bit because I just, love to speak, argue, debate, all of the above. Um, but I actually went to school for pre-med, like I said before. So my mom was just assuming that I would go to med school. And for a long time, I was telling myself, I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to go to med school. I still think about it today, sometimes still going back just to better educate myself and be a stronger advocate for the black and brown community in the medical field. But at this point, I don't know if it's something that I'm going to continue to pursue. And my family's actually made peace with it. And it's only because I'm still in the healthcare space and being in the space that I am right now, I'm essentially on the same financial level as some doctors. So my mom doesn't care anymore. And it's only because I'm able to support myself. But I think when it comes to coming from a cultural background as strong as that, and such as yourself is, you got to talk to your parents and educate them. Because my mom didn't even know that what I do right now existed. She didn't know that was a job that was a thing. You think pharmacy and and a lot of African parents think, oh, you're going to be a pharmacist. And I'm like, no, there's so many other things you (laughs) can do within the research and development space that you don't have to be a doctor or a PhD or a lawyer. Most of the time in my space, though, people do have either a regulatory affairs certification or they have their master's in something. So I will say there are a lot of higher level education people around, but yeah, she just kind of was okay after I, I talked to her about what I was pursuing and I explained to her the wealth gaps between physicians and people in research and development. And how much you can make, even though you don't, you're not a doctor. So after that, she was totally okay with it. Now, in regard to being in my space and being around people who don't look like me, I, I think that's the reality for any black or brown person who is in the science, technology, engineering, mathematics space. I don't see a lot of people like me. Um, I don't see a lot of people in management levels who look like me. I don't see any people in the executive level that look like me. And I definitely don't see or have I ever met someone in, you know, the CEO position that looks like me. It's a very challenging thing. And I think a lot of the times, because I started working, my first corporate job, I was 17. So I started working at a very young age. And I think throughout my my career, I've just gotten so 
so used to not ever seeing anybody who looks like me to the point where I kept quiet. And I have to blame myself a lot of the time for allowing, you know, discrimination and racial microaggressions taking place around me and not saying anything because I was scared of losing my job. My advice to people who are in the same position as me now is to speak up. And that's something that I'm doing now. I emailed a job that I had a year ago and I emailed HR and I said, hey, I want to let you know that I experienced this many instances of racial microaggression, this many instances of discrimination. And I think it's important that your company handle that person and how they were speaking to me. So I'm learning as well as all of us are learning, especially with the racial climate now that it's best to speak up and advocate for yourself than to not say anything at all. And I, and I think that's a very big reason as to why I am in the position that I am now with my company, because I'm never quiet. I'm always speaking up when something's wrong. Um, I emailed my HR the other day and I said, can you please tell me how many black people are in the company? Because I need to know these things because I will easily quit if I don't feel like there's a strong representation of black and brown people at this company. I refuse to be the token black girl at a company that's meant to be serving everyone. If you're in the healthcare and, and medical space, there needs to be diversity, period, because the world is diverse. We're serving a diverse population. So my biggest piece of advice is to just speak up no matter how scary it may seem. You speaking up for yourself is speaking up for a body of people. Yeah, I think that speaks like goes back to being confident and knowing that you're the asset, right? Because if there's a exactly scarcity, a scarcity around like, oh my gosh, if I lose a job, like what am I gonna do? Exactly. Like, exactly. You are covered. You are the asset. You will find another exactly person. if it gets to the point that you have to leave or you're terminated, exactly. especially for something ridiculous as to potentially being connected to something that has to do with diversity or exactly. you know what I mean like because the list like, yeah. a lawsuit no I'm kidding but <laughs> no that's no that's for real. Be connected to something like that like I'm I'm telling you. find me a lawyer like no I'm, I'm not even kidding I've said so many times and I've talked to people who I really it's so it really breaks my heart because I really know there are a lot of people out there young people who are so talented so amazing so beautiful so charismatic and it all just stems from a lack of confidence. Mm. And when I see some people who are in high positions, and I'm just like, I don't even know how you're in this position because you literally don't possess any of the knowledge. But there are people who do possess the knowledge and they don't get that opportunity. So it's true. Having that type of confidence, I always tell people that there is no job that could scare me into not speaking up for what's right anymore. There's no type of company that can make me feel that, oh, if you fire me, I'm never going to find a job again. Big deal. I'll just go work somewhere else or work for myself. But it took a lot of years to get the confidence to know that I have value. I know I contribute a lot. I know I do a lot. I know that any other company would pay me even more than what you're paying me. So if you want to let me go, let me go. It takes, it takes time to get there. So I, I as people are listening to me say this, I don't want them to think that I just woke up and I was confident. Everybody's journey is different. So people shouldn't compare their beginning to my middle. Yes. And that's why Career Savage is in place to help support, you know, exactly. support those 
um, building their confidence and their careers to live better, more fulfilling lives. You know, I think that we yeah. all have been anointed with visions and ideas and dreams and Agreed. businesses that uh, we sleep on because because of that lack of confidence. Because and of fear. We can't move forward collectively if we're not all conquering that fear and allowing yeah. ourselves to really step into our purpose and just killing it wherever our you know whatever corner of the earth we're supposed to be working in yeah. um and if we all could step into that space I really feel like we would, it would just be on a whole nother level you know what I mean complete everybody would just be you know doing everything that they need to happy fulfilled you know a lot of people just compare themselves to what other people are doing and that's where the lacking confidence goes down that's why I try and have, so this is, I don't know if we're going to wrap up or anything, but I want to, if I leave with one message, everybody needs to have a healthier relationship with social media mm. because I feel like everything is a domino effect. You go on social media, you see somebody else doing something you wish you could do and you, you pull yourself like 10 steps back because you could have been on a path to fulfill the journey that you're meant to have, but you're too busy getting distracted and watching other people live the life that's not meant for you to have. So I think people who are adults who spend a lot of time on tiktok and instagram and snapchat whatever it is have a healthy relationship with those platforms because none of them are real life that's for sure and two you have your own path that you're meant to have and nobody else is you which is your power wow girl you done wrapped it up you wrapped it up yourself so again <laughs> Where can we find you on social so that we can support you and get the information about, you know, how to level up in our careers? Yes. So you can always visit careersavage.com. You can check out Career Savage on YouTube. So you can just type Career Savage and I'm sure a bunch of videos will pop up. And as well as Career Savage on Instagram. And if anyone's interested in my personal Instagram, it's just Kaya Abdul, K-Y-Y-A-H-A-B-D-U-L. Kind of like Paul Abdul, but not <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate you for stopping by dropping some serious gems if you were listening to this oh, episode and weren't taking notes you need to go ahead and rewind it <laughs> listen again because this is how you increase your income this is how you increase your value to yourself um and really start to see yourself as the asset and the gem that you are I really do appreciate you for taking some time to coming on. Cause oh, it, thank you. I'm sure there's so many other things you could be doing, but for you to take, Oh, stop. No, this is great. Like I think pour, it's important to have these conversations. Yes. Pour into us is amazing. It's so great. I'm so thankful. It's helpful for me too. I'm like, okay, let me go ahead and start asking, <laughs> asking for more money. Okay. Um, and if you're ever in Vegas, you know where to find me. So I definitely um, will. Yeah. So I really do love, I love, love, love these conversations and being able to just talk about the things that no one else is discussing. You know, we yeah. deserve to have this information. Um, we are just as capable, intelligent, um, smart and talented as anybody else. And yeah. so I think that this is a great time to just start utilizing our assets and, um, going to the next level, taking things to a place where, where we're supposed to be at, which is yep. Kings running the world. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciated this. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, 
you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.